Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey gang, quick bit of housekeeping for you before we start the show. And this is only relevant to those of you who listen to us on the Apple Podcasts app or via Apple. So if you don't move along, as the great Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, nothing to see here. But if you do listen to us via Apple, listen carefully, particularly if you're an old school listener of the show. Before we became the Nat Coombs show on ESPN, when we were the NFL show, you would have got the show updated when we moved without having to do a thing. But that's because the old show had a divert put on it. So to check, you'll subscribe to the new feed because the old one is going to go pretty soon. Check out the Nat Coombs show. Search for it on the app via the podcast browse section or the store section if you're looking on the desktop and find our show and see if it shows whether you're subscribed or not. If you are, great, you're on the right feed. If you're not, hit subscribe and delete the old one. So head on over, not in your library, but actually onto Apple. Search the Nat Coombs show. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed that you find. Simple. Good luck. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. Hope you are hanging in there. We thought we'd wait until Friday of this week to drop our free agency special because, well, frankly, there is so much business that is getting done. We wrote a running order last night and then all kinds of new stuff happened overnight and that's how it will continue to go. So we might well drop a few more extra episodes your way over the coming weeks. But a lot of business has got done. You need to know all about it, what it means for the NFL. So who better than to get us all up to speed than the one, the only, Iron Mike Carson. Now, of course, gang, in times of crisis, like the one that we're all going through now, we need words of assurance. We need a voice of gravitas, conviction, authority, insight. What the world needs right now, people. He's Iron Mike Carlson. We got him for you. Hey, bud. Hey, yeah, there, there were, there's no gravitas in my supermarket yesterday. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to go back and try again. Kitchen roll. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's brutal out there. True story. I went to the supermarket mm. um, and you know how they send you those coupons to if you spend like 50 pounds, they'll give you five pounds off. And, so, yeah. and then it yeah, goes yeah. up if you do that. Next time they say 60 mm. and all. So anyway, I had this one for 70, which I would no way be able to spend. But I figured, okay, everybody's hoarding. Maybe I should get two loaves of bread, not one, and, and we can build up. <laughs> anyway, there was nothing on the shelves. I go around I go around the supermarket. I'm checking out with the stuff that I've got. And a guy behind me comes up, and he's got four cases of beer. 
<laughs> so I, I look at him. Harry, like, Harry the producer was behind you. Know. What the odds? <laughs> I looked at him. I said, "Well, at least if you're going to hoard, beer is a good thing to hoard." And he goes, "Well, fair point. I'm not hoarding, mate. I just have to buy it because if I don't, someone else will get it." And I said, "That's the <laughs> definition of hoarding." <laughs> and he looked at me and said, "Well, at least it's beer." I said, "That's what I said." <laughs> Brilliant. It reminds me of that Brendan Burns line when he was one of his stand-up shows uh, in Edinburgh. And he said one of the best heckles he ever got was somebody shouted out to him, mate, you're just coming on stage and talking about things that you've prepared before you came on stage. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of stand-up, basically. Um, The American poet Robert Creeley wrote that he had given a reading somewhere and a woman came up to him afterwards and said, were those real poems or did you write them yourself? <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Strange old times. They are indeed. It's good to see uh, you are still holding your sense of humour, Mike, because that is definitely one thing uh, that we need through all of this. And of course, as I alluded to at the top of your intro, uh, insight into all the goings on in the NFL, because the NFL fortuitously uh, is, is for us to have something sporting to concentrate on is going. A great pace. Everything else is in a state of complete inertia, but free agency, of course, is putting the NFL right at the top of the pile once again. It's amazing, isn't it? The the you know, the the twenty four seven three six five strategy is is actually not only working for the NFL, but it's a godsend to everybody else who's you know who's dying who's dying for uh, for sports. And you know, thanks thanks to YouTube, I've been watching like you know the nineteen seventy nine Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> beating the Boston Bruins. That makes me feel good. <laughs> God bless YouTube, actually. There has been, whatever your uh, brand, you know, obviously everyone listens to this show is into their NFL, but I've been, you know, lots of friends, colleagues, uh, people who listen to our stuff across the board into different things, watching uh, just a wave of suggestions on Twitter and great things getting shared, deep diving into YouTube and, and finding all kinds of goodness. So yeah, that is, uh, that is keeping us sane and um, good old documentaries as well. So all or nothing's rolling and, and plenty of other stuff, but we don't need that this week because we've got plenty of news to be talking about in terms of the wheeling and dealing as free agency has been free wheeling, hasn't it? So many things uh, to talk about. We put a running order together courtesy of Ollie, our producer, last night. And even then, since the running order, the Todd Gurley news broke as well. So we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. I've obviously got to lead off with, with Tom Brady because that has what? been... Tom Brady. What? Not heard, <laughs> what? Oh, I, thought, I thought you were going to lead... I, you said the Patriots, but I thought it was going to be the, the Patriots signing Bo Allen. Oh, that's second <laughs> on the list. That, that's, uh, that is big news as well. Fair play to Bo. Uh, but Brady to the Bucks. Look, we, I think uh, we've been talking about it over the last few weeks on the show. Of course, it's been long suggested that he could be at the end of the road. Will he go? Won't he go? The number of different suitors that were uh, being aligned with him. San Francisco at one stage, of course, there was a lot of hot uh, heat on him, perhaps moving there. The Bucks were always a, an ever present in the speculation, not least after Arians at the combine <laughs> made some fairly unequivocal, uh, took a fairly unequivocal position on what uh, he would like to see and do. Um, and, and it looks like to all intents and purposes, it is a done deal. He's certainly leaving New England. It hasn't been inked, but everybody thinks it, it's Tampa Bay is the destination that he's going to, although it isn't officially signed on the dotted line yet. So two-year deal, by all accounts, is what he's going to be signing, which will take him to 45 years old. First things first, let's look at the opportunity here for Brady, because one of the things that we were discussing in terms of where he might end up was how competitive that team is going to be. Is there any point, Brady, and there's a great tradition, you've pointed it out to, to me and to our listeners before, Mike, of Johnny Yu and Montana, Brett Favre and, and Peyton Manning, latterly, who ended their careers in different colors to the ones that we, we most identified with them. So in each or in many of those cases, there were opportunities for those quarterbacks to go on and have continued success in terms of a championship. So that seemed to be instrumental, I think, in Brady's decision. Do you think Brady going to Tampa Bay puts them as contenders straight away for a deep playoff tilt, maybe even a Super Bowl run? I think I think at the moment, a Super Bowl run may be a little optimistic, but I think that they're definitely a playoff team now. Because if you look at last season, they were seven and nine. They lost a lot of close games. They lost a lot of close games in which Jameis Winston turned the ball over, including pick sixes. Um, Arians teams have always been competitive, even when he hasn't had the 
the tools or all the tools, and especially when Todd Bowles is his defensive coordinator. If you think back to them in Arizona, after Carson Palmer got hurt, uh, you know, they had a series of quarterbacks who got, who were less and less, uh, shall we say, um, uh, storied in their, in their mm-hmm. abilities, but they, they gave, they always gave Seattle a hard time. They're, they're always competitive. He's got a great attitude in that sense, and he's a smart coach. And, and I think, you know, they have the, they have the base there to be a contending team. Uh, the defense is pretty good. It, Bowles gets the best out of them. They could use, they could use a little bit of upgrading, I think, uh, on defensive personnel, but, um, you know, they kept Shaq Barrett with the franchise tag and they kept JPP. Um, and offensively, of course, they've got, a good set of weapons. Uh, they need they need to upgrade an offensive tackle, but um, the middle of the inside part of the line is not that bad. Ali Marpet is is actually really good. Um, you know, on that, Mike, how do the two lines match up respectively in terms of the the, the New England line he played behind last season and, and the Tampa Bay line he's going to as it stands right now? Well, I don't I don't know as the New England line was as bad as as we think. I, in fact, I don't know if it was much worse than this se- the season before. Um, mm-hmm. They got a pretty good year out of Ted Karras at center, but they couldn't they couldn't push people around running like they had done the year before. That was the big difference. Brady was under pressure in tw- in twenty eighteen, but because they could run the ball at the end of the season when they went to the run game that that obviated the the pressure on Brady. Um, but they didn't have they didn't have um, Trent Brown at right tackle, who's a great run blocker, obviously. At left tackle, I mean, um, who's a great run blocker, obviously. And, of course, they didn't have Gronk, who's like having a third tackle in the game. Mm. You know, Gronk, one of the few tight ends in the league who can actually catch passes and block defensive linemen um, one-on-one. So I think I think that was the big the big loss for them. And um, I think this year they're going to have, they're going to have a lot of problems, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, we'll get to that later on, but, but Tampa really, you know, Donovan Smith isn't a great left tackle. Um, and I don't think ever, ever will be. So they, they probably need to address that at some point. And um, you know, the problem, the reason I think, and I think I said this on our, on our show, um, the reason I thought that, Brady might not go to Tampa is that Bruce Arians, although he's had great success with quarterbacks, Ben in Pittsburgh and, and Luck in Indianapolis and Palmer in Arizona, mm. you know, he leaves them out there to be killed, basically, mm. because it's a downfield passing attack. Um, he likes to send all his, all his, uh, eligible guys out. And, you know, Brady, I don't, People are saying Brady can't throw the ball. I don't think the question is whether Brady can throw the ball. I think the question is whether Brady can survive um, if he has to throw those kind of balls. Now, right. you know, he gets rid of the ball quickly. Um, he knows when, you know, he'll take a sack. Um, he'll go down to uh, to uh, lessen the impact of the sack. But, you know, that's going to be, to me, the most interesting thing because I think Arians will adjust to Brady more than Brady has to adjust to Arians. And, of course, he's got, you know, a great – a great group of receivers to throw to. He does, obviously, uh, and a couple of decent tight ends in the mix as well, well including those, but on the Evans and Goblin in particular is a wide receiver tandem um, amongst the best in, in show right now and, and obviously a market shift to the weapons he had to play with latterly in, in New England and particularly last season. So on that note, Mike, how much can we take uh, in terms of what we saw of Tom Brady last season and the suggestion that there was regression on his part as opposed to actually there wasn't particularly or in, in, indeed a significant regression. It was more that collectively he didn't have enough to play with. I think, I think you, you put your, your finger on the nail right there and I'm about to hammer it. <laughs> um, but I think it was more question and not see, not even so much not having the weapons as being frustrated with the, you know, he had Josh Gordon and then Gordon was gone. He had Antonio Brown and then Antonio Brown was gone. Uh, they never got a, a really decent tight end, um, mm. that he could depend on in, in that offense. And whether it was Belichick or McDaniels or Brady, they were very, very slow to work, um, to work the other guys into the rotation, especially uh, Nikhil Harry once he came back. Remember, they didn't have him for the first half of the season. Right. Uh, but it wasn't until he made those plays against Kansas City, uh, especially the touchdown that was called back uh, erroneously, um, 
that they started to use him a bit more. But even in the playoff game, see, he wasn't really a factor. They didn't really use him. And I and I think Brady got frustrated at that. I, you know, there's a lot of talk about Antonio Brown maybe coming to Tampa. I think Brady really liked throwing to Antonio Brown and, and probably wanted to keep him, even though the Patriots released him after his, you know, 955th stupid tweet. Um, but but his <laughs> but his first as a patriot because <laughs> they, they had kind of promised yeah they they had sort of said okay you know shut up and and play ball and we'll be fine and and he you know he just couldn't do that but there is a lot of buzz as you say of Brown ending up in Tampa now yeah I mean God if you add Brown to to uh, Mike Evans and Chris Goodwin oh. you you've got a tremendous you know it becomes the best three in the league um, yeah, right. and, and a really difficult three to defend because they can they can go at you any way. You know, um, which is Evans is Evans is kind of the linchpin of that because he's so big. Um, it's like it's kind of like uh, Mike Williams and 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 the succession of tall receivers Rivers used to throw to for the Chargers. You know, they go down they can go downfield even though they're not really fast because you can just throw the ball up and they're going to win jump balls. Um, and it gives you a whole lot of you know, especially in the red zone, a whole lot of options. And that was the Patriots' big problem last year with Brady is he didn't have a red zone receiver. And and there was nobody that people had to really account for in the red zone, um, and and their offense suffered as a result. If you can't run the ball, and you don't have a red zone receiver. You know, you're really you're really having to claw and scratch for every point. And if they could have put, I don't know, what well, I forget what they averaged, you know, over the season. But if they couldn't put uh, more than seventeen on the board, they weren't going to win. Sure. It's a, it's a great point. So where does this leave? We're talking all about Brady and his new home. Where does this leave New England and where do they go next in the quarterback position? You know, in Bill We Trust is the motto up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to stretch that to the end. I mean, not only. You know, Brian is that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on to him in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, Brady to Tampa is great. Um, it's a great move by Tampa. They've got two years. It means they can bring someone else along to, to replace him. And, and Brady wants to be, you know, still playing at 45, uh, which no quarterback other than George Blanda um, has done since 1920 or something like that. Um, and Blanda was probably not a kicker. Now watch out for Brady to start learning how to place kick. <laughs> so he can, <laughs> Unlike hang, around, so he can Unlike hang around till he's 50. Um, but the Patriots <laughs> – have lost eight guys in free agency so far. Um, and Brady's the only one who hasn't gone to a team coached by former Patriots assistants. You know, there's, there's three, there's three who went to, um, Miami. Um, there's three who went to Matt Patricia. Um, Joe Judge picked up Nate Ebner, who's a special teamer and he was the special teams coach. So, you know, that's part of the problem for Brady is that, um, five teams in the league have coaches and or GMs who were his, you know, protégés at, at various points, which means they know how he thinks and they can, they can stay, they can keep up with him if not move ahead. Now, I, I, my opinion is that Patricia's kind of overdone it on trying to be another Brady. Um, O'Brien we'll talk about in a minute, but I think Flores has been relatively smarter as to which guys, you know, he, he moves in it. And, and the mix, um, of coaches and players who are expats. But right now, the Patriots don't have a wide receivers coach. They don't have an O-line coach. They don't have a defensive coordinator. They don't have a defensive line coach. They've signed, you know, two very low, the usual kind of thing, two, two low budget, um, useful kind of players. But they've lost, you know, Bo Allen basically replaces Danny Shelton, but he's not as good as Danny Shelton. He's probably not as good as Mike Pinnell, who they had last year, but couldn't, find a place for him on the roster so he started for Kansas City um and I think I think you know there must be there is a strategy there somewhere but they've got very little room to maneuver under the salary cap right and I wonder whether on that point and and moving on to other quarterbacks by association whether they'll look back to to move forwards and look at someone like Jacoby Brissett because his time certainly as the starter in Indianapolis is is done with the the Colts taking Philip Rivers on a one-year deal, $25 million that deal is worth. Of course, Rivers has been a charge all his career. We'll talk about that deal in a minute, but Jacoby Brissett will have to make way for Rivers. So 
do you think Belichick might, and McDonald's might look back at a quarterback they've had in the frame in the past? It's possible. They've also got Brian Hoyer, remember, is, is like their third right. stringer, who's another guy that they've had in the past. Although I'd rather go through a season, I think, with, with uh, Brissett as my quarterback than Hoyer. But um, he's probably not your long-term solution anyway. Uh, and the question will be whether they can afford – uh, to sign him or, or if they could offer anything, you know, to trade for him on, on his, on his current deal. Um, you know, they can wait till other teams start dumping quarterbacks. Um, and there should be some pretty good, good ones out there. Um, second stringers around the league, but I'm not sure that's necessarily the way they want to go. Um, right. you know, uh, I don't see Andy Dalton, who a lot of people are saying as an answer, because I think they know Andy Dalton's limitations so well that they, assume other teams will as well. Um, but it is, it's, you make a great point that, you know, a number of deals have been done already. And, and of course there are some starters in the draft, but the Patriots would have to wheel and deal and, and move up and, and give up, uh, give up a lot to, to land one of those. So it, they might be quite limited in their options, the way things are going. I mean, Cam Newton looks like he's going to be uh, on the market, uh, but he is expected to join, uh, rejoin Ron Rivera in, in Washington, of course, that's the, that's the, the buzz there. Um, Foles has gone to the Bears now. Tannehill's re-up with the Titans. So what looked like a very broad uh, spectrum of quarterbacks on the market is narrowing now, isn't it? The Patriots are, uh, to some degree, running out of time to get a, to get a, a big-name starter going forward. Yeah, but I don't think a big-name starter is, in the, is going to be in the mix in, in the end um, because I don't think they can afford it. Uh, they're, they're, but there's a big difference between um, a Tannehill, for argument's sake, and, and, and a Brian Hoyer, right? Oh yeah, but Hoyer's not a big name starter. Yeah, I, I could sure. see them. I could see them picking up Hoyer or Brissett to get through the season um, and hope that Stidham can move in as as a starter right away. Um, I don't see them drafting a, a quarterback early, but but someone like uh, James Morgan maybe uh, or. Uh, Kelly Bryant would be a, a kind of wild card choice, um, but they, you know, they might take him and get a third or fourth round quarterback to to try to develop. Um, and uh, do you think on that, Mike, post Brady, they almost it almost makes sense to go, irrespective of what the market is saying and what their opportunities are, it almost makes sense to go for an understated unheralded under the radar kind of player because it's such an impossible act to follow oh yeah yeah and and you know what what they're gonna say or what they're gonna think is is tom brady was a a sixth round you know pick sure um and but we had drew bledsoe at the time but you know when it became obvious brady brady could play um we went with him um stidham you know, they may think he might be ready to play this year, but if he's not, you know, somebody who could who could keep the seat warm, and then Stidham Stidham could move in when when they think he's ready, he probably during the season might be an answer. Um, there there will be people like Josh Rosen coming onto the market at some point, although I don't right. think Rosen fits their profile um, because I don't think I don't think he's he's quick enough. Um, in terms of, of reading the game, but Rosen, you know, Rosen would be there with, with a big arm. And um, I, I think, I think basically they're going to try to skate through this. Uh, but the problem is they're, they're going to have to rebuild an entire, not an entire roster, but a good portion of their roster. And, you know, if they can't be as good defensively as they were last year, and, you know, they've already lost Van Noy, um, uh, Jamie Collins, Deron Harmon, Shelton's gone. Um, you know, that's a lot of their defense already gone. If they can't be as good defensively, they have to be better offensively than they were last year. And I don't think they're going to be better offensively without Tom Brady than they were with him. Mm. Let's move on to the Colts and the, and the River Steel. As I say, one year, $25 million. So it's a... Uh, uh, we've got a shot uh, at something type move, but also, of course, buys the Colts time to transition a young a quarterback of their own. They might well draft somebody or or uh, look to bring somebody in to nurture under Rivers. Rivers had, I think it's fair to say, Mike, certainly statistically, w- one of the weakest seasons of his of his career last year. It was a pretty abject uh, performance all round by uh, by that Chargers side. But it's a very different proposition in a more than promising indie side. The offense didn't really click as well as it could when you think it's got ty it's got marlon mack in the mix as well but that was partly i think because Brissett went down for a while and uh, and that affected obviously the overall stats what do you make of the deal what do you make of 
what Rivers brings to this Colts side in terms of their ambition. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember, too, that Mac Mac was hurt a little bit at the beginning of the season, and T.Y. was hurt you know, throughout the season, one way or another, very rarely, I think, playing it at full pace. Um, they've got a good offensive line for him to play behind, which is, which he didn't have in, in, uh, Los Angeles. And, you know, in Los Angeles, they were often chasing games, you know, and so he was throwing a lot, um, when, when he didn't necessarily, uh, you know, when, when you're not in control of the game. So you, you throw more interceptions in, in that, in that case. Um, it's funny because the Colts appear to be thinking as if they were right on the verge. And, you know, cause they make the big, the big move for DeForest Buckner on defense, the big move for Rivers on offense. I, I don't think those two players are going to put them over any hump. Um, you know, they do help for sure. Um, and Rivers is obviously an improvement. He's got, you know, what, what's interesting to me is that if they stay healthy and he's got a couple of good tight ends to, to throw to, so they can, they can sort of be a, um, a multiple kind of offense. Uh, and I think then they, they can be real contenders in that division because Jacksonville, Houston, Tennessee, uh, you know, Tennessee is obviously going to be good, but they're beatable. I think, you know, if you, if you figure out ways to control, to control Derrick Henry, um, they went on a great run at the right time at the end of last season, but can they do that for a full season or can you stay ahead of them? Um, so, so I think that's the way the Colts were thinking in terms of, you know, let's get to, let's get these two big guys in and let them, let them sort of push us over the hump lead. We're in a winnable uh, division, a competitive division. Yeah. But no, that's a four year deal. Incidentally, 84 million around half of that, just under half of it uh, guaranteed. Let's move on to loads of deals. We've got to talk about Mike Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater to the Panthers. I, so I alluded earlier that you, that you love the deal. Yeah, I, I mean good. Bridgewater was the guy I thought the Patriots, you know, would be most right. happy going to get. I just think he's going to be a really good starting quarterback. Um, and Matt Rule is is a guy who understands the passing game. That's that's his specialty. Um, so I, I think it's a it's a good fit um, for Bridgewater. They may not be good enough this first year, but you know I'm sure that uh, McCaffrey's really happy. Um, you know, to have a, shall we say, high level, higher level NFL quarterback um, to work with than he did last year, and you know, maybe not have to, um, maybe not have to carry the whole offense himself. Hell of a comeback for for Teddy, isn't it? When you think about where his career was at the this time last year. Yeah, and people forget that you know that he was looking really good in Minnesota when he got hurt because, and I think part of it is still the carryover. The people think that he's a Lamar Jackson type quarterback when he never was. Um, you know, he's a drop back quarterback. He's got some mobility, but he doesn't think about running. Um, he he really stands in there and he sees the game really well. He's a smart quarterback. You know, I, I think he's got all the tools, and I think he's showed in New Orleans last year that he could do that. They, you know, they won every game he started. He played, right. he played pretty well, um, didn't make huge mistakes. And, um, you know, that's a great offense for a quarterback who can, who understands the game, who knows where the ball should go, who sees quickly where the ball should go. And I think he proved that. And that, that to me was this, the selling point. That's why I thought he'd be such a good fit with Josh McDaniels. So it means Cam is on his way out. Uh, you would think the way that that went down was, I guess, disappointing the way that Newton found out about it. Um, and he's kind of hit back on social media given, uh, the, the way that statements were made. And he obviously feels quite aggrieved. Everything he's given to the franchise, I think he feels, I don't look, it's a tough business. It's a mercenary business at, at times. And, uh, we all get that, but it seems to be, it seems to have been interestingly handled, should we say, by, by the Panthers. And there seems to be no way back, irrespective of whether he would want to stay. Uh, it makes no commercial sense for the Panthers to keep him. And it makes no sense for him to stay as a backup in the, the team where he was, of course, league MVP just a few years ago. So Washington, that's where the buzz is for him to land. Are they, is that, that makes sense to you, given that they're, the, gone in big on Dwayne Haskins. I don't really know exactly what they've got there at the moment. Where do you, where do you see Cam ending up? Well, the rumor mill is filled with all this stuff about what Dwayne Haskins can't do. And that's coming from someone. I mean, you always have to take this with a grain of salt because, you know, it's worse than politics. You know, you've got people's agents briefing against other guys. Um, you know, saying, oh, what I hear from Washington is that, you know, he's got, uh, he's dyslexic. He's got a ADD. Um, I'm, and I'm serious. I've heard people suggesting yeah. that he's dyslexic. So you don't know where that's coming from, but it indicates a certain level of, of, you know, 
um, on dissatisfaction with, with him. Now, could you sign Cam, you know, for a couple of years and, and keep Haskins and, and bring him along? Possibly. Uh, you know, you know, Rivera likes, likes Cam. Um, he probably is, is um scheme wise you kind of have to scheme from him and and you remember when they tried to keep him in the pocket and you know not let him run for a while and that really didn't work out because you've got to let him move to to have him be more effective but the question is whether how serious his injuries really are and we don't have we don't have on the outside a good idea of that right now i you know right nobody's really seen wh- whether um whether he's ready to go 100% if the season starts on time or, or whether he still needs recouping time. New England's an interesting kind of consideration for that because it would be something that nobody would think they would do, um, but it would give them a playmaker, you know, who could who could take that team that team forward. Although, I, you know, as I said, their problem is I don't think they can afford to sign anybody that good. And the Chargers apparently are going with Tyrod Taylor. Although Newton and Taylor, you know, style-wise, are fairly similar, um, mm. you know, so that you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to adjust your system at all. Uh, so, I, what are the options? Was the Bears, of course, earlier on in the, when it, the speculation started? But yeah, I never saw the Bears because I didn't see him as a fit for Matt Nagy. Um, mm. And uh, well, they brought Nick Foles in anyway, right? Foles, so is, a much, Foles is a much better fit. Yeah, is he gonna is he gonna be battling for the starting job? Do you think is that? Yes, he's going to be battling for it, and yes, I think he'll probably be the starter. Um, Because I, I, you know, I think that I think that Foles' ability to understand where the ball's supposed to go is what trumps him over Mitch Trubisky. Mm. Um, Trubisky's mobility is is a big factor, um, but he's consistently showed the you know, the, uh, the lack of ability to know where he's supposed to put the ball. Um, and I think that's a frustration for Nagy and, and, you know, they said all the right things, but it was obvious. I think that they were going to at least bring in someone to challenge him. And, you know, they're not, they're not, um, they're not bound under a huge contract with, with, um, Foles the way the Jags were. Uh, the Jags will have a lot of dead cap um, that, that hurts them. But, you know, if, if when Foles came back for Jacksonville and didn't play well, I think you had to take into account that he was coming off a broken collarbone and he's not Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, you know, Rodgers could come off. He's done it twice, come off broken collarbones and play back at his, his level more or less right away. But I think come the new season, what you'll see from Foles is, is what – is what you saw in Philadelphia, um, which is when they're on a he, he's kind of streaky. When they're on a roll, he's really good because he doesn't have fear of putting the ball up, and um, sometimes he's not all that good offense. My my comparison for Foles is kind of Eli Manning, right? Okay. Um, you know, and, and even when you look Got back, the clutch at, about him, yeah. When when you look at that playoff run, he had a couple of bad games toward the end of that season, you know, or not great games. I wouldn't say bad games, but but um, you know, but but because he's kind of fearless with the way he'll put the ball up, um, and because he understands again where the ball's supposed to go, uh, you know, I, I think he's I think he's an upgrade over Trubisky. Uh, okay, well that is. Uh brings us conveniently into what you've already referenced a little bit, Mike, the Jags, as Oli, our producer, referred to the Jags blowing up, which I think is absolutely uh, what they're doing at the moment. So not only Foles, Edge Boye has gone to Denver, Calais Campbell to Baltimore. Uh, I guess the the Foles deal confirms what we suspected, that Minshew was the the future there, the way forward, and and it means they're obviously... uh, backing Minshew to be under the gun, but who else is going to be around him? Something that we saw with Miami last season, right, going into last season and early on in in the season, there is a rebuilding process that all teams, most teams anyway, need to go through at some stage. And uh, and there are different ways of approaching that. But typically, if you think, I'm not going to contend for a year, for two years, I will get rid of assets that I can sell high to recoup a lot for them to enable me to uh, add a bit of strength and depth across what is uh, a lackluster roster and, and build it that way, right? And And I get that. But as we talked about you and I, Mike, a few times last season with the way Miami approached it. And I think this has been forgotten a little bit because Miami got competitive in the second half of last season and ended the season in quite a positive place. I felt they got rid of too many pieces. And do you think 
Jacksonville are doing the same thing. If you're going to rebuild something, you've got to keep one or two fundamental pieces there to be able to rebuild around, don't you? Yeah, and I think, you know, I think um, you've seen that Ngakwe, you know, has kind of like been hinted um, that uh, that he wants to get traded now. They franchised him. Um, and I think, you know, what you said is absolutely accurate, except that you've got the same team in place in Jacksonville to make the turnaround. So what do you think is going to be different? You've got the same GM, you've got the same coach, right. you know, what, what usually when you're bringing in a new coach and you're, and you're having that rebuilding process, you're rebuilding, not just the roster, but the whole ethos of the team. And I think that's what, that's what Brian Flores did last year. Flores is going to have a tough time this year because expectations are going to be a lot higher. You know, when you, when you win five games when nobody expects you to win two, um, that's great. But now everyone's going to expect him to win eight or nine. Um, and, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a harder task. So, you know, I'm, I, I agree they've gotten rid of a lot. Um, but. They also need to shed money because um, they've paid a lot of players an awful lot, and I see they just they just signed Joe Schobert was uh, like this mo- this morning's um, this morning's big news. Um, you know, who's a really good linebacker for for the Browns, but you know what what's gone have been qu- cornerbacks and um, and uh, defensive linemen. Mo- you know, uh, besides Foles as well. Uh, you know, but how, what is it now? two seasons since they had the best defense in the league or, you know, if, yeah. or, you yeah, know, yeah. arguably the best defense. Even it's away league. from the Super Bowl. Yeah, the best pair of cornerbacks in, in Boyer and Jalen Ramsey, you know, really solid all the way around, but they, um, you know, a couple of injuries and, and in the linebacking core and they couldn't keep, they couldn't keep that together. I don't see a real positive move yet for them. You know, anything that's, that's sort of more than, um, but there's plenty of time to go, anything more than treading water. And sometimes you get a lot of congratulation for just treading water. Um, in other words, you lose players and you replace them. Everyone says, Oh, look, we brought in these good players, but you know, you were at that same position before you, before you started. Um, so I, I'm wondering, I'm also wondering whether Min, they see Minshew as a long-term solution or just a stopgap. Um, and they, well, they don't know that yet. Yeah, right? so they maybe may they may that. be thinking of bringing somebody else in at some point. Mm. Um, you know, um, Miami's got that kind of you know that that same kind of thing because everyone's expecting them to draft another quarterback and and for Fitz to just take them through one more year. That brings us nicely. You mentioned Miami and to other uh, key bits of business that have been done. Before we talk about that and, and some of the other deals done, though, just a quick line because we mentioned it earlier. Dak Prescott franchise tagged but the expectation is because they've got until mid-july to get a long-term deal done that that's what the cowboys will end up doing right they want to sign into a long-term deal if they can yeah i'm sure they do because you don't want to have to franchise him next year um you know you saw what happened with kirk cousins in in washington say um and you've got to spread his money around because you're giving amari cooper 20 million a year he signed a five-year, $100 million contract. Uh, and they've brought in, I mean, they're spending in free agency. Um, yeah. They, you know, brought in a, a number, a number of big names. So, you know, they, they've got to take care of the salary cap. And I think that's the one thing you can overdo it. You know, we, you can say, oh, you overpay for this guy, you overpay for that guy. And that's true to an extent, but you have to look at the big picture in terms of how you're managing your cap uh, long-term because, it can lead you in a position like the Patriots are in where, you know, you've got to start just dumping guys where the Jags are to, to give yourself the flexibility um, to go through. I mean, they, the Dallas signed ha ha um, last night. Um, so, you know, he's in on a, on a short-term deal. Gerald McCoy's yeah. in on a short-term deal. It's what the Rams are doing by Rob Gurley, Mike, because they've got cap problems. We know that, but is that what, what that's all about? Or is you it know, I, th- I think basically the story with Gurley is that, you know, assuming that this is a chronic injury, which is, you know, which it appears to be, Gurley's not worth the money they're paying him. Um, because you can't count on him for a whole game, much less a whole season. Yeah, because he got a four-year extension just before the start of the 2018 season that was worth it was a 60 million dollar extension, 45 million of that in guarantees, incidentally. Yeah, and um, they, which means they're going to have a fair amount of dead cap space. That's right, and that, you know, and what's killing them is the deal um, is the deal they gave Jared Goff. 
um, mm. which, you know, they can't get out of that without yeah. adding more, <laughs> a lot more dead cap space. But, but Gurley, you know, I don't know what, you know, nobody knows. Again, this, this is one of those injury things that nobody really seems to have outside the immediate uh, x-ray room has a good handle on. Sure. But Gurley appeared last year to be able to run for short periods of time and then the knee would start Regress, yeah. would start to hurt, um, you know, which indicates a kind of chronic arthritic situation to me, at least, who suffers from the same thing. But I don't have to. Mm. I don't have to run in the NFL. Not at the moment. <laughs> no. see, how, see what the year brings. Uh, so back. you know, I, I think that's what that's what you're seeing there, and and that's why Michael Blockers is in um, in Baltimore along with Calais Campbell, um, mm. you know, and Baltimore. Is all of a sudden looking uh, pretty good up up front with veterans, although they you know they're going to lose. They lost Michael Pierce, and they're um, you know who's one of those undrafted guys that they bring up and make in you know turn into great players. Um, but this is one way of replacing them. The way the you know it's the Patriot way as well. And and Ozzie Newsom worked with Bill and in Cleveland, although he's now you know Eric DeCosta is the man now. Um, but they also and they also traded Hayden Hurst. You know I said about tra- treading water. Uh, Atlanta pick up Hayden Hurst from them, who replaces Austin Cooper, who went to Cleveland. But but the the Baltimore are deep at tight end, and they pick up a second round pick, and I think it was a fifth round pick as well. Mm. So you know that's how you you it's tend business, to rebuild yeah. is is you have to keep keep those things moving moving along. Um, but you know dead cap space is is a killer in the in the NFL, and the cap didn't go up as much as people thought it would, despite the new. Um, uh, the new deal with the Players Association. You know, if there isn't a band out there called Dead Cap Space, then something is wrong with this. That's world. a great. So, that's uh, a great uh, one. We'll push it out. Um, the Ryan Tannehill deal that we mentioned earlier, that's four years worth 118 million, uh, half of it, 62 million, uh, just under half of it, guaranteed. So Tannehill, another comeback. Uh, Palea, much like uh, Teddy Bridgewater. What about the Houston Texans, Mike? We've got to talk about this, of course, and in particular, the Andre Hopkins trade. So the Texans trade Hopkins. They get David Johnson in return and a second round pick. So Arizona, uh, by all accounts, it's win, win, win for them. Yeah. Well, getting one of the best yeah, receivers it's in almost the as if it were two trades in one. They basically basically traded Hopkins for the second round pick and, and they got Johnson for a, um, you know, a move up of picks, uh, a fourth rounder now for, was it a fourth rounder next year or a fifth rounder next year? But, you know, basically for a move up of picks. Now the Johnson part makes no sense to me because he saw, he, he traded a third round pick last year for Duke Johnson. So unless he wants to have a Johnson and Johnson backfield, which re- which really only <laughs> works, which really only works for the Jets because they're owned by Johnson and Johnson, um, <laughs> um, I, I don't get that. Um, Hopkins for a second is is a bargain for Arizona. Um, yeah. You know, somebody said yesterday, you know, the, the who's the best receiving pair in the NFL? They said, well, it used to be Houston, which was DeAndre Hopkins plus the next guy on the depth chart. And then they said, that's the way Houston lists them on the depth chart. <laughs> it's like DeAndre Hopkins and that guy. The next guy. Um, yeah, right. But, you know, now he gets to play with Larry Fitz, um, Fitzger- Larry Fitzgerald for a year, um, I think. And that, that'll be interesting um, uh, for, for them. But my, my gut feeling on this and the other moves Bill O'Brien has made is that he – wants to be Bill Belichick and he wants to establish that kind of culture, but he also wants to be the man, you know, the, he wants to be Bill in Bill Belichick in the, this is my organization and we do it the Patriot way, which is my way. Um, And he's not Bill Belichick, you know, few guys are, and you know, they got this guy, we talked about him a couple of months ago, Jack East Easterby, who would, like the the guy in charge of morale on the Patriots, and and then he left because Robert Kraft had that um, massage parlor thing, and he he his Christian beliefs wouldn't let him keep working for the Patriots, so he went to Houston, and he's like he like is is appears to be running the team with Bill O'Brien, and you get the sense that if someone offends Bill O'Brien, they're they're shipped out, and they offend him by maybe talking about an extension of their contract, um, you know, or by wanting to investigate free agency, and you know, I, it, it, what they've done has not made great sense. 
uh, over the last couple of years. You know, although the Laramie Tunsil deal looks better now than it did when he made it because Tunsil played the, as well as, you know, we, we thought he might play. Um, but, you know, who's in a better position right now in terms of improving? Probably Miami with those draft picks that they, you know, that they accumulated. Um, and who they brought in. So they brought in Byron Jones, Shaq Lawson, Carl Van Noy. So they've been busy as well. Yeah, in, uh, and in, that's in that's an interesting one. I mean, I don't see any positives in the Houston thing, so we can pretty much leave it there. Um, you know, David John. if he had got David Johnson before the injury, then that's a great trade, you know, mm. and, and a very fair one. But, but you don't trade David Johnson after the injury. And oddly enough, the guy who's going to replace him who got the transition tag is Kenyon Drake, um, you know, who played well at the end of last season for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that gives them the right to match any, any offers that Kenyon Drake might, might pick up on, on the market. But Miami, um, they, they put together pieces that I think Flores wants to use defensively. Um, and defensively, they will be much more like the Patriots. Uh, and I think uh, Byron Jones fits that very well. If you think of someone like Devin McCourty, who came out of college as a cornerback and then played safety for them, Jones can play inside corner, outside corner. He played safety at times for the uh, Cowboys. So it gives them that flexibility, especially with Xavier Howard on the other side, who who can be their sort of lockdown corner. And you'll see a lot of him locking down a number two receiver, say, or a tall receiver. And and then they get to scheme on the on the other guys. Van Noy is a very flexible piece. Um, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to have a multiple kind of defense. And Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator, you know, is expatriates as well. Um, but it was interesting that they, on offense, they moved to Chan Gailey. Uh, you know, and let Chad O'Shea go, another ex-Patriot guy, because I don't think they want to run a Patriot-style offense with the people that they have. Um, you know, I don't know if it's if it, if it suits fits. Um, if you you know, because he's not that kind of uh, programmable, uh, short, accurate pass, quick offense game. Um, it'll be easier for whoever they draft is. Uh, as a quarterback in the draft, as we all assume that they will do, it might even be better for Josh Rosen, um, you know, who I still think has potential, but has to be. He, Josh, Josh Rosen is basically Jared Goff, um, light, uh, and that you know. I'm not sure you want to be Jared Goff light. Well, that's you know, he's got an up, he's got an upside, but he's also got certain things you you know problematic that you have to work on. So, you know, I, I like what the Dolphins have done. That's going to be an interesting division because I think the Bills have been very active as well. Um, well talk about the Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs deal is is a good one for both teams uh, because they had to get rid of Diggs and and um, there goes the. So that- the second that deal, sorry, Mike, just yeah. to cut in the deal. Yeah, they gave uh, Minnesota the, the, their first round pick, of course, and then a fifth and a sixth in uh, the same draft and a 2021 fourth round pick. So, right. Uh, quite a lot. Uh, to give up for yeah, when you think that when, when, yeah, when you when you look at the, the comparison with DeAndre Hopkins um, and Diggs is good. I mean, I've been covering Diggs since he was at Maryland when I was doing Big Ten games. Um, he's a good receiver. Uh, he fits what they got because he can he can he can help you on all levels. So that you know you've got Beasley and, and you've got uh, Brown. And he can go deep. He can go across the middle. He can run short patterns um, as long as his head's in it. He's a, he's a dangerous weapon, and as long as saying it all last season, right? That that was one of the the obvious weak links for the Bills that Allen didn't have enough around him. So I, I think so. Good. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And the other part is you, you know you can't teach him to be more accurate, but you can make it easier for him to be accurate right. um, yeah. by yeah. by giving him the you know by giving him um, more options or, or better options who are likely to get open. And yeah, part of what they've been doing the the, the Bills is, has been treading water in the sense of of losing defensive guys and bringing in more, um, and, and he's brought in you know a number of guys who played for him in Carolina, um, including Josh Norman on a one-year deal. Um, but Addison and Vernon Butler, AJ Klein played for him. You know, so I think he's going to be putting together as good a defense as they had last year. And and they're sort of like the Patriots as well. They had a you know they had a really good defense last year, and if they could score twenty-one points, they could beat you. 
um, the question is, you know, could could you get that out of out of Josh Allen? And um, that's still what they've got to work on. But that's going to be an interesting division. Um, you know, no, not a pushover for the Patriots in by any means. And right now, I mean, I would, you know, we, we, we'll we'll see what happens over free agency in the draft. But right now, I think the Bills are ahead of the Patriots, and the Dolphins yeah. are quickly catching yeah. up. Catching up. That's a that's a really really good point. One more for you before we uh, get out of Dodge, Mike. And you mentioned former. Uh, Belichick lieutenants, Matt Patricia, in getting some negative coverage once again because of the Darius Slay move. So Slay, of course, going to Philly and is being pretty vocal about, uh, well, his specific quote was, he didn't see eye to eye a lot with one person, <laughs> the organization, which is obviously uh, Matt Patricia. And uh, uh, apparently in stuff coming out, uh, and there's an article you can find on ESPN from Michael uh, Rothstein, uh, gives a uh, full uh, disclosure on a couple of these incidents that happen altercations early on. It is worth pointing out. Rossi makes the point uh, early on in Patricia's tenure and things seem to thaw and get a lot better last season, but the damage was done. He called out, uh, he called out Darius Slay a couple of times. And one of them quite an extraordinary story, Mike, that Slay had uh, returned from working out with uh, Akib Talib and Xavier Rhodes, Richard Sherman. And, uh, after that, and he just finished his first Pro Bowl uh, appearance. He had an All Pro uh, call up as well. Uh, and after that, he had a one-on-one meeting with Patricia, who apparently told him that he wasn't elite uh, and was very, very uncompromising. In uh, do you think? So do you think he's following the same kind of path that you suggested Bill O'Brien was? That Patricia is trying to create this Belichickian vibe and it's not pulling it off yeah uh, and i i think that i think that's true um not i think to the same extent as bill um and it's not to say they're you know that they're not good people or or you know nice people it's it's just that this is the way you're approaching things and it doesn't always work and you don't have the you don't have the authority that belichick has you know when, when belichick tells you you know, to do something, he's got six Super Bowl rings behind him. Right, um, right. And, and, uh, you look at the thing with Patricia is you look at what they brought in and they keep overspending for guys, um, which is, you know, Big V. They brought in Big V and gave him $50 million, you know, who, who's a, a good third tackle and probably mm. a decent starter, but, you know, a $50 million tackle, you know, top price tackle around the league. I, I just don't know. And, and, and it really, it's another tread water because Wagner was there last year. He might be better than Wagner at this point, but, um, you the know. Deal Slay, they dealt Quandre Diggs, of course. That was, you see, that's where the Slay thing, that's where it ended. I, I think when they mm-hmm. traded, they, when they traded Quandre Diggs or let Quandre Diggs go last year to Seattle, um, I think Slay was very vocal about that. And I think he law, I think Patricia lost Slay at that point. Um, because yeah. to, from his point of view, probably he's looking at Patricia putting his ego ahead of the team. And, and mm. Patricia's looking at his, as players putting their egos ahead of the team. Right, right. And, and when those, that clash is a very hard one to resolve unless you're either in total authority or, you know, you, you've got everybody on page because it's enthusiastic. And that's what Flores' advantage was in Miami, I think, is that they had nowhere to go. So everybody's buying into that. And you can make the changes early on. Um, you could get rid of a couple of good players right at the start um, for financial reasons, like or you know, to get draft capital, um, like Tunsil. And the the guys you've got left are all buying into it, so you don't have that that kind of problem um, at the start. So I, I think Patricia's going to have a, a tougher time um, this a tough time again this season, despite you know adding some good players. But I think he's got more Patriots on the roster now than he's got guys who were there when he came, who were Lions right. when he came, um, you know, which is, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but probably, probably in terms of the atmosphere there is, is a pretty bad, a pretty bad thing. Um, the- Mike, you know what? We have covered a hell of a lot of ground uh, and we're out of time, but the one story, arguably the biggest, some might say that we didn't get into Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's cut. Well, you know, John Elway has about the same. 
John Elway had about the same sense of quarterback value as some guys playing fantasy football. Um, you know, and I, you just don't understand what what he's up to in, in terms of that. And and you know, and now okay, Joe Flacco's on the market. Would the Patriots sign Joe Flacco? Wow. I, I don't think so because you know I, I think all of his. There's a question I never thought I'd hear. Yeah, you all of his all of his limitations are the the kind of things that they they don't really want to um to go into. And remember too that the biggest thing coming out of this week and the Tom Brady talk, I think, is in the long term people are going to start talking about Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick as the greatest of all time. Right. Is Brady the greatest of all time because he played for Bill Belichick or is Belichick the greatest coach of all time because he had Tom Brady playing for him? And, mm-hmm. you know, you can make the arguments as they stand right now both ways. You know, 11 and 5 with Matt Castle. Brady plays in any, you know, all different situations. Uh, he could have been better in another one. But when you look at the sort of great coaches, you know, it, it's interesting that when, in my mind, the greatest coach is Bill Walsh inevitably linked with Joe Montana, Paul Brown with Otto Graham, Vince Lombardi with Bart Starr, you know, and was it the coach? Was it, you know, and that's a, that's an interesting, it's an interesting kind of thing. Cause when Otto Graham retired, Paul Brown, the next year got Jim Brown in the draft, the greatest running back of all time. And they only won one more title. And that was with Blanton Collier as the coach. Um, the Niners, Picked up Steve Young, who, you know, arguably <laughs> was a more talented quarterback than, than Joe Montana. But yeah, Young, yeah. Only, you know, Young only won with uh, Seifert and had, you know, had bad luck going through that. But, you know, Montana didn't win when he went to Kansas City. Um, you know, Starr and Lombardi did great together. Starr did much less well after Lombardi left. Lombardi did much less well. You know, so... I think they need each other. They need each other. It's a really good point. And football remains a team game. And I think the thing with Brady that's, that will be his legacy with the Patriots and hopefully will be, you know, on is that Brady not only had that skill to play in different systems with the same coach, but he has the leadership ability that's, that is so important to a quarterback and is so undefinable. It's the kind of guy who, when you go into the huddle, the players think he's going to find some way to pull this out for us. Right. And then you, you take that one more step. Well, who pulled out, who pulled out the game in Seattle? You know, was it Brady alone or was it Malcolm Butler in the Malcolm defense? Was it, yeah. was it, um, Belichick was introducing it? that play yeah. in the first place right at the start of the season and never using it until the time he needed to. That's right. Was it Hightower making the tackle on Marshawn Lynch that, you know, should have been a touchdown by all accounts? You know, when Brady threw the interception that, that, uh, Julian Edelman caught, um, cause Poole couldn't hang on to it for Atlanta, you know, it's, it's such a game of inches and, and they, that to, to, to right. you know, that, that this rush for us to always say that so-and-so is the greatest of all time. So-and-so is not is, is such a limited argument because there are so many improbables in it that you, you just can't quantify, you know, if Wes Welker catches Brady's pass, that's to his other side against the giants and they win that game. You know, if, if, uh, um, if you don't get the, the amazing catch by the by the Giants in this in this the matchup before that one, the Tyree uh, catch, yeah, the Tyree catch, or if Asante Samuel intercepts um, intercepts Eli, you know, it, it's all a matter of inches both ways, wins and losses. Um, Brady could easily have been eight eight and one in Super Bowls. He could have easily been four and five in Super Bowls. You know. Uh, so I just think it's great. It's great for us to be able to talk about and argue about. But um, I, this will be an interesting one to watch because if Brady takes Tampa near a Super Bowl, that's going to be a, a big accomplishment for him. And if Belichick's team collapses, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then he can't rebuild it or or he retires after, you know, one bad year, uh, then his legacy, to some extent, I almost say, well, look, he, without Brady, he was useless. Yeah, exactly. And then neither of those, if either of those things happen, neither of them will necessarily go to <clears throat> answer the question unequivocally as to, who was the more important uh, no, exactly. totally, totally separate situations but I tell you what Mike all those brilliant examples you just rattled out there in machine gun style are exactly <laughs> what our listeners could go and check out on YouTube going full circle from the top of the show to wrapping things up all of this good stuff is out there so those of you on lockdown and limited 
uh, movement at the moment. There are many of us in the same boat. Uh, get involved with that. Get involved uh, with some of the cast and wisdom from last season. You can uh, rattle through some of our episodes last year. There's a lot of good stuff there. And we're going to keep things rolling in the off-season, as we've hopefully evidenced on uh, this week's show. So much flying around, so we might even throw in some bonus shows over the next couple of weeks to keep you busy and to keep you occupied. I'm going to be writing a piece on Patreon probably today, maybe tomorrow about the greatest wide receiver. Who's not in the hall of fame and should be uh, okay. Del, Del Schaffner who died actually was last week, but, but they didn't announce it until a couple of days ago, uh, played for the Rams and the giants in the late fifties, early sixties. And with YA Tittle was the best passing combination of that era. Um, you know, ahead of Unitas and Barry or, or anybody else, really. Check that out on Mike's column. It is patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, F-M-T-E. Go and get involved uh, with that. Get back down to the supermarket, big man. Get stuck in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like... <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what it's like. I, I've never, I've never experienced this before. But the, let's get a GoPro and I want to film. I want to film Carlson fighting for. Uh, I, I'm not, <laughs> fighting he, for. I'm too. You know, I'm too rational to do that kind of stuff. You know, it, it's like, it's like if we all can't we all just work together? You know, maybe just just you know put on your bell bottoms, get the acoustic guitar out, and go down and uh, sing some Joan Baez protest songs. <laughs> and, and yeah, I'll put my hat. Morrison. I'll put my hat down and see if anybody gives me money. <laughs> I'll chuck it a few quid I'm Mike I'll chuck it a few quid uh, cracking stuff look after yourself bud. You too, check it be safe out there cracking stuff from Iron Mike at Carlson Sports if you want to follow him we'll push out links to his Patreon column as well uh, I hinted at the top of the show that we're going to be dropping some extra episodes over the coming weeks to keep us all busy, quite frankly, gang. Uh, we've got a special chat on Monday with the former Premier League in England striker Darren Bent. I'm looking forward to catching up with him. He's a massive Philly fan. He's going to be happy about that Darius Slade deal for one. Uh, so really looking forward to catching up with Darren. Uh, recording that, dropping it Monday in your podcatchers. So uh, it's an extra bit of listening pleasure for us through these challenging times. Stay well. Hang in there, gang. We will all get through this and uh, we'll see you Monday for the Darren Bent Chat. See you then. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.